Welcome back to another hour of Sky Tower. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. All right, this is episode 145, and this evening we have the Glenn Morangi 15-year batch number two. Our restaurant review will be of the uh, Benedict's Restaurant, and then I, we'll have our shout-outs get-togethers as well, and uh, the movie review is the, is the sixth day with cloning. Uh, staying on that topic there. Um, real quickly, thank you to all the viewers who watch us uh, on YouTube and Rumble and all the many different listeners on the many different podcast platforms. We greatly thank, uh, thank you. Uh, please like, share, and subscribe, and leave some comments down below. Scotch review. All right, this week's Scotch, the Glen Morangi Caldball Estate, batch number two. This beast is aged 15 years. It is considered their creamy whiskey. Um, and batch number one did not disappoint last year. As we're looking at this, man, pretty excited. It is a 43% ABV, as many a Glen Morangi is. Brief history or basics on the Glen Morangi Distillery. Um, it was founded in 1843. It is operational. The water source is the Tarlogi Springs in the Tarlogi Hills. Six wash stills, six spirit stills, six million liters per year production capability. They do make single malts, including a 10-year, a 12-year, a 15-year. Also, we know the 18-year, a 25-year, as well as all sorts of special releases. They've had uh, annually a Tale of Cake, a Tale of Winter, a Tale of Forest. Um, lots of different options there. Uh, as far as their full range, 43% is the average. It's the norm, but they do range from 40 to 46% ABV. Uh, the distillery was purchased by... Its main customer, the Leith firm McDonald and Muir, in 1918, after originally being founded much, much earlier. Man, this guy, this guy's been around since 1843, and they have produced some great things. Um, but also, much like any distillery, Glen Ranji um, suffered terribly between 1920 and 1950 with prohibition, and then the Great Depression in the United States reducing whiskey sales uh the distillery was effectively mothballed shut down closed not producing additional spirits between 1931 and 36 <coughs> the depression ended with world war ii but the war effort left fuel and barley in short supply, and the distillery was again mothballed between 1941 and 1944. Exports of whiskey were imported during the war, but enemy actions disrupted and destroyed deliveries to the United States and Canada. Uh, man, the family retained ownership of 52% of the company through a complicated London stock exchange listing, which saw the family hold the majority of the voting shares in the company. In 2000, 
2004, some more recent history here, the company was sold to the French drinks company Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton for approximately 300 million British pounds. Following the change of ownership, the Gen Glenrenji product line was rebranded to increase its appeal in the overseas luxury goods market, and they have since like exceeded, I'm sure, their own expectations. A new, more curvaceous bottle was introduced, and the wood-finished whiskeys were given new names such as the Quinta Ruban, Nectar Dior, and La Santa. According to Professor Paul Feely, the director of the Institute of Retail Studies at the University of Sterling, the French-sounding names are an unusual innovation because what makes whiskey unique is the traditional tie to Scotland. Um, so it was definitely a new brand strategy. Um, for some years, the Glenmorangie Company supplied its whiskey for the production of own brand blend whiskey by supermarket groups. Um, the practice ceased in 2009. So I think this is a lot of what we see when we think about total wine and some single malt scotches that they and other companies bring in with their own name on it. Glenmorangie has been the best-selling single Single malt in Scotland almost continuously since 1983 and produces around 10 million bottles a year, uh, of which 6 to 6.5 million are sold in the United Kingdom. Globally, Glenmorangie only has a 6% share of the single malt market. So uh, basically, one sixth of what last week's uh, Glenfiddich produces and has as far as a market share i um, in uh you know in pop culture there's not a whole lot for glenn Morangi. um there's some of these you know that are all over the place um ardbeg lagavulin in all sorts of movies you know lagavulin's actually mentioned um in the girl with the dragon tattoo and it's suggested but the girl's like no if i want to drink oil uh you know i'll drink that i want some real scotch um so as far as glenn Moranchi, the one that most people might be able to relate to is in 1986 the movie Highlander starring uh, Christopher Lambert playing Connor McLeod um, orders a double Glenmorangie on the rocks while I don't know if he's flirting with the police, female police officer or not at that time, but it does and has. I don't know how many people are going to be relating to that. 1986 is a long time ago. But Some of the younger people are, uh, they're definitely not relating to it. There me. can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, but... I'm just saying that that's about as close as it gets for Glenn Morangi. Unlike a lot of other scotches, um, Glenn Morangi has not received a ton of uh, recent accolade or accredit accreditation accreditation in uh, movies as far as being something that... Uh, Wasn't it in the background bar of the... Uh, of, uh of the third boxing movie from... Uh, I don't think it counts unless someone mentions it. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, you know what movie I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah. Creed 2. Creed, no, Creed 3. Three. Creed 3, yeah. Because I think it was in. It was on his bar. Like I think he had someone on his bar. One of the Glimmerengi 18s or something. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because on our own conversation level, 
when we think about whether we're doing a celebration, and they are great scotches, or you just had one of them days and you need a dram uh, to finish off the workday and start your personal day, this is not the go-to. This is not the one where it's like, God damn it, I'm a fucking victor. I want a Glenmorangie 15. <laughs> maybe this one will change our minds. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will. Mind. I mean, there's <laughs> Glenmorangie makes a great scotch. It like, but just like you said, like uh, if I had like a victorious day, that's generally not gonna be like Glenmorangie is not gonna be uh, the distillery house I'm reaching for. Yeah, not not yet. Not yet, anyways. We'll see. How about distillery tours? Well, currently uh, on their website, they're only showing one distillery tour. I thought before there used to be some others, but it could be the time of year, though, because we are in the wintertime. Um, so right now, they are only uh, from September through March. They're open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and they have just the classic tour that's listed on their website, which uh, you could just do the uh, the normal tour. It's uh, You get two drams to taste at the end of the tour, and it costs approximately, well, it's 23 British pounds. So you're probably talking about like 25, 26 USD. Not a whole lot there on the tour side. Not this time of year, understandably. I imagine this is the time of year even for them. It's cold as shit. <laughs> 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 the Glenmorangie 15 is aged in X. Uh, bourbon casks, uh, American oak, that is, bourbon casks. Um, and... It is an extremely limited edition for them because they do change the batch number every year, unlike the others. Um, the others haven't been given batch numbers, whereas this one has. All right, well, let's open it up and try it out. Without further ado, the Glenmorangie 15 Cadball Estate batch number two. I love the blue of this box. I love the writing on it. It is a nice, solid, not cheap cardboard. As I think Glenmorangie has never given us a really shitty presentation. Uh, the bottle itself, also outstanding. This is that more curvaceous bottle, uh, along with the French names that marketing has given it. Um, I think it's pretty dynamite. I am enjoying every piece of this. Uh, as we go to the foil, unlike a lot of the new ones, they do still have a little bit of ribbon to help you find the foil, um, which is not a metal foil at all. It is a plastic uh, wrapping. Oh, no. They did it. Plastic top? God damn it, a plastic top. Like, they got the detail. Why are they going to plastic top? Glenn Morangi. No! Bad Glenmorangie. Uh, but, much like a true French institution, they are still using, thank you, Glenmorangie, a solid cork. They're not using any of that pressed cork bullshit. It's all those damn environmentalists. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep cork in the trees, otherwise those trees will eventually stop growing and die. They actually <laughs> need that. Because <laughs> they killed all the wolves that did it naturally. <laughs> it's not wolves, foxes. I, I apologize. <laughs> all right. Well, let's pour this and see how this adventure will take us. Uh, from what I remember with every one of our great Glenmorangie experiences, uh, everything from the 10, the 12, the 14, the Nectar Dior, the winter, the forest, and Tokyo. 
Not one has left us disappointed. All right. Without further ado. All right. Tasty notes and cheers. Cheers. Glimmer Angie, uh, 15 year batch number two. Like, I remember us raving about batch number one, how much we loved it, how great uh, and creamy it was, how it had, like, uh, if I remember correctly, I don't have my notes out from that one, but I think uh, it had, like, a really nice vanilla flavor to it. It was almost like a vanilla bomb, if I remember correctly. And uh, I was hoping for something of this, uh, something similar or the same here. <clears throat> but like a younger brother, it might have the same DNA, but they just don't quite. They're just not quite the same as the older as the older. Get brother. it up. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, not saying that the, it's any worse or any better. It, it is definitely <coughs> different. Uh, same DNA, but uh, but slightly off. Um, so the nose here, um, I have it with honey, vanilla, malt, and some orange peel. And uh, <clears throat> I really liked it. I thought the nose was good. But um, it was nothing like uh, super astounding, but it wasn't anything that was off-putting either. But it gave, it was nice enough uh, to where I gave it 26 out of 30 points. And I know I skipped over the presentation and the color. So I'll, ra I'll, uh, I'll go back to that there. Uh, I love the presentation. I love the blue box. The blue Dude. and the gold and the cream Dynamite. color. That is great. I love it. That right there, it's uh, almost That's screams a five. A, almost screams a five. Well, <laughs> I guess if, if you get it, it's like a high four, low five. But then you go to the bottle. I still like the shape of the bottle. But what I don't like is that they didn't use foil as plastic and the topper is plastic. But they use real cork. So right there, presentation, I have to give it a four because of the plastic top, plastic, uh, uh, non-foil plastic, and uh, yeah, there you go. There's a four for that. Color, I have a nice light copper color here. Uh, it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't quite call it orange, and I wouldn't quite call it copper, but it's like a, maybe like a light copper. Uh, that'd probably be the closest thing I can come to it. I like the color, so I give the color five. Presentation, I gave a four. The palette for me is the win. Um, and the palette, I get like nice vanilla with honey graham, malt, some citrus, like orange citrus in there. Um, and I put malt spice. And really because like I couldn't really tell if it was just like a mixture of like nutmeg and cinnamon. And then I think you also threw in another one there, which was clove. And I'm like, well, that all kind of falls in with the malt spice type of thing that I had written down. Uh, and it does give it a nice flavor. So, like I said, like, to me, uh, <clears throat> I thought that was a win. There's a slight creaminess, creaminess there at the beginning of the body. Uh, it's fairly light, uh, light-bodied scotch. So I gave it a 27 out of uh, 30 points. The finish I also liked. It was um, it was, had some malt with some nutmeg, uh, honey, and uh, it closes out with uh, with some graham, 
like almost like a graham cracker on the on the very 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 end of the finish for me and i really enjoyed that too but it really kind of seems like uh it's not like the sweet honey it's more like the man do honey maybe or something like that it's kind of like a it's God almost like damn cloned honey. <laughs> yeah, it's almost it's almost kind of like the uh, almost like the bitter honey almost uh, like on the finish, which I I mean it's tasty and stuff like that. But any case, it was good. I liked it. Uh, I gave it a twenty six out of thirty for a grand total of eighty eight points. Uh, would I take this to a black tie affair? No, I would not. Really, I would take the first generation of black tie affair. I like the first generation more. Um. Not saying I don't like the coloring or couldn't stand up at a black tie fair, but um, I think I would rather take something that price, something else in that same price range to black tie fair rather than this. Um, I mean, the blue is outstanding, the presentation, the box, but I just don't want. If I'm going to black tie fair, I don't want a plastic top, and uh, that's just that's probably like the biggest turnoff for me. And it, like the foil, I want it to be really a foil, not a plastic uh, topping or wrap. Yeah, like a condom. Yeah. Because used condom. So I, I think those are the reasons why I went to the Black Tie Fair. Would I take it to the game night? Yeah, I'd totally take it to the game night. Uh, the price point is anywhere from $77 to $85 on the batch two currently uh, at the at the uh, party stores or stores or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's worthy for a good game night. Is it? Does it have a place on your shelf? Questionable. And the reason why I say questionable is like it alone, probably, in my opinion, no. Uh, and simply the reason why I'm saying no is because I like the, I like the first batch more. And I would say I, if I had a choice between the first or the second batch to have on my shelf, and I, I could only pick one, I'd go with the first batch. But when I say questionable, it's like if you have the first batch and you can have the second batch, it'd be good to have them both. So that way you could do a, a flight with it sometime. And go back and forth. I see a flight in our future. And uh, what I uh, so that so that kind of tells me like uh, shelf, yes, possibly. That's why I said questionable game night, yes, totally. And uh, black tire, no. On the batch, on batch two, batch one, yes, batch two, no. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my uh, wrap up on that one. All right, the Glen Morangi 15 Cadball Estate Batch Number 2 presentation. This one was right on the cusp. I was ready to give it a 5, but I just can't get over the plastic top either. And here's why. Pick a goddamn side, people. And what I mean by that is all these different nations, countries, people wanting to get away from plastic bags. That's great. We want to get away from plastic. We want to use paper bags because they're more biodegradable. Then why the hell did it become okay to use plastic wraps and plastic toppers? Use one. More biodegradable. That's what we make paper out of. Um, so just the inconsistencies. And I don't know why the hell that bothers me so much, but it does partially because I've always been about saving a tree. And if we're trying to save the environment and keep earth livable, one of the things that is absolutely essential is oxygen and ozone and trees help make and produce oxygen from all of our other byproducts. So um, I'm still kind of curious about that also because we burn all these fossil fuels to make the paper bags or to do any of that piece. So for me, presentation to Ford Glenn Morangi, I wanted to give you a five. You were 
this close. Uh, but you're getting that for the color I dig. It is a natural color, by the way. That is very true. Um, to me, it's a medium light gold. And it... Uh, reminds me of a fall field whether that be hay or grass or corn uh, before harvesting as everything is dried out and no longer green but still has that gold sense of life to it uh, color is absolutely a fire for me the nose the nose is interesting. I like the nose. I've got like a honey cream with a little teeny bit of orange intermixed with it. I've also got a little bit of like vanilla orchard fruit. So like a vanilla peach, um, nuts, oak, and just that, you know teeniest little bit of orange uh the nose for me was a 26 it was enjoyable not dynamite the palette was the win for me um this is the the one place where i did most enjoy this single malt scotch single uh super creamy right at the front I enjoyed the super creamy honey, vanilla, um, but that vanilla is mixed with citrus, and I'm talking about like specific citrus. I'm getting hints of lemon, lime, and orange, uh, but the lemon, lime really shine. Um, honey, and then what I'm digging most about this palette is this little bit of tobacco. I don't know why I love the smell. Which I didn't get on the nose, but the taste of raw tobacco, um, but it's in there, followed by just a little bit of pear, malt, and baking spices. Those baking spices for me were and are cinnamon and clove, super mild. Um, the palette gets a 28, so that was its win. The finish, I liked, I don't love. The finish, um, followed up by that palette, is dry oak. A little teeny bit of honey. Um, and what I mean by honey, I shouldn't just say honey. It's that malt and honey that turned into almost like a honey graham cracker. But it fades fast. And it it's also the spice is intermixed with that. The finish was only a 25 for me. I gave it a total of 88, same as you. Um, I think it's a damn good scotch. But I think what's interesting about this is we have talked for the last couple of weeks now about, hey, if we're going to an event or if we're going to, you know, pick a scotch or two that we say, these are the ones that I want to define me or that I want to be like, this is not one of them, yet they absolutely have exceptional scotches. Um, I... I I think my favorite is still a tale of forest a tale of tokyo was great but i think my favorite is still a tale of forest um and it's dynamite but i'd rather be known as a log of Owen, an ardbeg a macallan <laughs> um i'd rather be known as something else and i think Moet Hennessy, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, the corporation that bought them, I believe it was 2004, um, when they did their French influence, had a lot of wins. But with that, had a lot of things I don't also relate to Scotland in different pieces. Great scotch. Not what I want my scotch to be known for if I'm the master blender or distiller. Um, I will say the one area where we disagree, even though our scores were almost spot on, I gave it one less with the finish, one more with the palette. I would still take it to a black tie event, if nothing else, for presentation. However, I almost feel like we've been lenient with our scores 
because compared to the first one, this is not all that. Um, but it's still a damn good scotch. Glenn Morangi hasn't let us down. So that 88, I would still take it to a black tie. Exactly. It's not all that. That's why I wouldn't take it to a black tie. <laughs> I would still take it. Um, I would also, like, I'd be less inclined to take it to a game night. Because I don't want to be chatting over this over like game night with friends, but I would still take it to a game night, and I'm right there with you. It has a place on my shelf only because at some point um, soon I want to really do a, a flight of batch one, batch two, and as now has just come out, batch three. I actually do want to compare them and see, hey, what did they do so differently um, with the Cadball Estate? And part of the reason for that is, and this could make total sense if weather was uh, a, a big factor. influence, a big factor is because all of the barley that is used for the Cadball Estate 15-year um, here is grown on the Glen Morangi Estate. Like this is one of the few scotches they've made where they're growing their own barley, um, and so for for batch number one to be so absolutely creamy and delightful, I'm curious what those influences are that made batch two less or different to us. And when I say less, I'm not saying don't buy it. I'm not saying don't drink it. I'm just saying from what we remember a year ago with batch number one, this didn't hit the same peak. It's time for our shout-outs. Uh, my shout-out goes to my kids continuing to do great things. Mila finished her semester, great grades. Aiden continues to learn and thrive both at work and at school. Great job, kids. Uh, you guys are the apples of my eye and the people I am most proud of in life. Followed closely with the second, um, which is my parents. Um, shout out to them, too, for continuing to fight the good fight. Um, make time for me anytime I make time for them. That's a rarity. Um, and to continue to teach me life lessons along the way. How about yourself, Noah? One shout out I'll give to you, uh, Coach Prime. Uh, he knows how to market. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, he just came out with a uh, season two, which covering his first season coaching at uh, University of Colorado Boulder uh, on uh, on Prime Video. So he's like he's like they said that he has brought in over a hundred million dollars into uh, the CU campus. Uh, just from like all the advertising and exposure uh, and stuff like that, which some of it can't really be quantified, but that's kind of like what they've done is they kind of quantified it as like that amount of money. So to go from like the worst, like one of the worst uh, division one schools, like we used to be a like a top 10, top, a top 25 uh, perennial powerhouse back in like the nineties. And we like see you fell off, off the map and we were like one of the worst uh, power five schools, definitely, uh, if not one of the worst division one schools. And for Prime to just inject so much like uh, non-realized money, if you will, uh, into the system with like how he markets and everything like that has been amazing. He's like brought up the uh, talent level of the uh, players and stuff uh, going into his second uh, round of uh, recruiting. Uh, so I just want to give him a shout out there. Am I only get it together? 
What the hell are the Democrats doing going after Elon Musk and Tesla? Um, forcing a recall on 2 million plus vehicles whose driver automated pilots, um, automated pilot driver systems could be abused by the drivers. That's why the government is forcing this recall. So AI is being abused by the, by the humans. <laughs> God only knows, but here's the point. Like, what kind of abuse are they, like... Is that they could use it. That's the bottom line. So here's here's my real problem, though, is, is when this whole thing started and they're like, hey, let's get all the automakers that have had an influence on electric vehicles since the Biden administration, the Obama administration was actually a big piece of this as well, uh, and the Obamas in particular, all wanted to push the electric car initiative. Great. That's all fine and dandy. They still haven't figured out how they're going to fix the grid to support the power that would be required for that. But as they did that, um, and they had a, a summit at the White House. They didn't invite the one man who's had the most influence and made the biggest change, Elon Musk. Um, so it's interesting that he's such a threat to them. But furthermore, they never challenged Chevrolet or any of the other manufacturers who have now all put their electric car programs on hold or at least slowed them down significantly. Um, so they're actually going against their own initiative by going after Elon Musk, but trying to hold him back from continuing to be the strongest power in that source. So obviously they see him as a threat um, because he's actually given them uh, or given us, the Americans, what they say they were going after. Here's my confusion, and here's what I don't understand is, do they, like, are they trying to screw themselves? Because by doing this, the younger generation, like the Democrats, Biden in particular, has lost the black and Hispanic votes um, because he has actually increased by trying to do the opposite, uh, the pay and comfort of living gap. Um, lots of reasons for that. We won't go into that right now. But he's actually made them less well-to-do in the current circumstances, even though he has tried to do um, just the opposite. Mostly, he's hurt them from not educating them on doing better for themselves. Um, furthermore, though, you go after uh, Elon Musk and Tesla, and those were the people who voted for you because you were going after the electric car initiative. They supported and continue to support Elon Musk and Tesla. Um, and my only thing would be is like the only win here is if they don't understand what the Democratic Party has done here, um, particularly the Biden administration and the Obamas going after him. Oh, they know full well what they're doing. I know, I know that. You know that. But the whole thing is, do all these Bottom people line. who voted in Biden realize he has Bottom done exactly line. what Obama did, going against what Bottom he said Bottom line is, Elon Musk <laughs> has gone against their narrative. And since he's gone against their narrative, he's now a threat to them and more of an ally to Trump. So now they're, they're attacking him. But that's all it is. No, I, I agree. It's just insane to me that all these people that I talk to right now are still like, ah. All those Republicans are idiots. And it's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you not understand Obama? The first thing he said was he was going to get us more electricity and that would start with... Uh, That's the second thing. <laughs> it's not like, yeah. I, so in order to sell the electric car initiative, they were saying like back then, Obama was saying like, yeah, we're going to create like all these like... New, Obama was going to nuclear plants. Right. Close more but than here's the, the thing. If you look at, if you actually look at the grand scheme of things, it's not about opening up more power plants or anything like that. There is a perp, there's a reason why they haven't done that. And it's because they want to limit people's ability to travel. 
I mean, and, I hear what you're saying. And they want to start. They want to start taking people uh, and putting them to like these 15 minute cities and locking them down. It's it's all it's it's all done purposely. And but they but in order to sell people to do this, like right, you're just not going to say like, hey, we want to put everybody in a mega city and put you in these like 15 minute cities and lock you up so you can't go anywhere. No one's going to buy that. I agree with you. That's my point. Is so I, what you're gonna do is you're gonna sell them like, hey, we're gonna push this green initiative. <laughs> we're gonna have everyone buy electronic cars. But you know what? We're gonna make it really expensive. And on top of that, we're not gonna have enough energy for you guys all to charge your cars. So now you guys are all screwed. And then now we're all stuck. Right. I I understand. Like I think you might be going a little off the conspiracy theory edge, but I understand exactly what you're saying. My biggest piece though is the millennials right now are all about travel. Oh, they're all about travel. All then. of the millennials I know are the ones who voted in Biden. All oh, they of need them to fucking are like about wake to the lose their travel. That's what I'm talking about. Is do they not realize that no, everything that Biden has gone after for them, he's actually hurting or hurting he's not helping. He is absolutely not helping. I shouldn't I won't throw out there that he's hurting, but he has done zilch he is to hurting. help. And he's hurting when he goes after Elon Musk and Tesla because, great, you want to put these people out of business? They're the ones, they're the only ones that had electric cars. Um, and yeah, you're right. He's not only gone after their initiative, he's made them all look like the fools that they are, including GM, Ford, and everyone else who came out with electric cars once they realized how much money. Oh, wait, instead of making five grand on a gas powered car that we sell for 35 grand, we can make 20 grand on an electric car we're spell- selling for 70. Not on top of that, you're not like, like, people aren't looking at the end, the end use of like to create the energy to charge these cars and not looking at. Uh, they're not looking at like all the stuff like the to like uh, the terraform the earth in order to get all the natural resources they need to build these electronic cars. Like it's just like way more detrimental. Right. So all Bottom we're line. saying there is the get it together goes to please open your eyes while you're thinking about your own future. And I think the one thing is most millennials I I know don't have kids. So they're actually not worried about a future beyond their own longevity. Whereas I am still very worried about that. <laughs> And interestingly enough, um, all the boomers that the millennials like to get in fights with, that's actually their, the millennials have stopped recycling as much. Recent studies have showed millennials are recycling less. Boomers are recycling more, trying to do more for the economy. And then the millennials are literally contradicting themselves. So they're um, going around. They don't want plastic bags. But every one of the food sources they buy, whether it's a pasta sauce in a plastic bottle or a jug of fruit juice or milk in a plastic jug or anything else, they're buying everything that's already in plastic. They literally aren't seeing the big picture. Well, this goes into a much deeper conversation as far as like people not understanding like they or who they are trying to control the people and looking at all the... Uh, uh, the anomaly, or not, I want to say anomalies, but uh, the uh, contradictions of like, oh, we can't have plastic bags, but we can have a, cl- a plastic bottle for our our, uh, our, uh, our marinara sauce. Oh, we can't have this, but we can have it in this form. Uh, it's just, it's retarded. It really is. People are retarded. I'm using it. I'm using the word retarded because people are fucking retarded. It's a military word that actually refers to a dud bullet or missile or anything else that fails to fire. Yeah, their mind are failing to, re- is failing to <laughs> fire. The they're, they're retarded. That's literally how the term came around. Is should not be a thing. In my opinion, 
It should not be offensive. If you're offended, which is why, then go though. screw yourself. It's retarded. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, this I didn't week's get to talk about my my get it together. Dude, I'm afraid. I'm like trying to. Fine, skip fine, it. fine, fine. All right. Fine, what, what's your get? No, it together? no, no, no. You're, no, no we'll, we'll, what's your get it together? No, it's probably best. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> Restaurant Review. Benedict's Restaurant in Greenwood Village. I like the place. I, the location, I'm not a big fan of where the location I is. I agree. <laughs> um, it's not exactly, once again, it's on Arapaho Road, which Arapaho Road is kind of a busy street. Uh, so it's not like, I won't say it's, it's not easy to get there, but it's just kind of an inconvenient spot, I think. Uh, and like where the parking lot is, uh, it could be a little bit better set up to get in and out of it, but maybe that's not their choice. Maybe that's the only place that they could have, uh, like they found that was uh, affordable or a decent enough location for what they wanted. Uh, so, like the parking lot and getting there. I don't know. I that, I kind of give like a, a six. The outside presentation, really, that's not all that that great to look at either. It's not like they have a great looking sign or anything like that. It's very strip molly, uh, and uh, so that's like a like a five or a six there too. When you walk in, it looks very much like a seventies diner. Uh, I really don't like the internal atmosphere of it. I didn't dig it either. Uh, or the decor, I should say. I don't really dig the decor. But then again, I'm not a big fan of the 70s decor, and I don't like 70s like uh, fashion <laughs> either. I so, don't like the 70s fashion. I hate the bell bottoms and stuff like that. I'm like, not just saying I love the bell bottoms, but the high-waisted short shorts. Okay, those are good. Daisy like Dukes? The, all right. So, <laughs> some of them are all right. Uh, but in any case, uh, um. But like the 70s diner decor type of thing, I'm not a huge fan of. That's what it kind of reminded me of inside. But the food was great. Like, food was great. Uh, I got the uh, Benny's combo uh, plate, which came with two pancakes, uh, eggs of your choice, hash browns, and uh, you could go with uh, bacon, uh, sausage, uh, so you could choose whichever you want. I chose the bacon, and the bacon was phenomenal. It's like... Long, thick, like thick, wide bacon that was like more more meat than it was fat. It was excellent. It made me want some meat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had no problem showing that meat in my mouth. <laughs> Just joking. To the point where he was juicing. <laughs> Or did you say squirting at the restaurant? Like you just squirted? <laughs> You're like, my leg just got wet. <laughs> Something did hit my leg. <laughs> I'm pretty meat. sure. I'm pretty sure that was the hand sanitizer you dropped on the floor <laughs> that, that shot and hit my leg. I'm like, my leg's wet. <laughs> but yeah, the bacon was uh, phenomenal. The scrambled eggs, though, I am not a fan of the scrambled eggs that I got. Were they too fluffy? So here's my problem with scrambled <laughs> eggs. I think a lot of times when you go to restaurants, they get like these like pre-mixed eggs or whatever, and I'm not really sure that they are 100% real egg. And I would rather them take like because like when you have like real uh, scrambled eggs made from like real eggs, you can see some of the white and stuff from the uh, uh, from the uh, you know from the egg. Uh, here you didn't really see that, and uh, that's why I'm not like a huge fan of their scrambled eggs. 
if they were taking like two real eggs and scrambled them, it would have had a much different look to it, and I would have preferred that instead. Uh, the blueberry pancakes were good. Uh, I did ask for the blueberry pancakes to go with it. it they were tasty. Um, they made it the way I wanted them made, and uh, had no complaints there. The hash browns uh, with a little bit of salt tasted excellent, in my opinion. Uh, overall, the food, I think it was a solid eight. The service, I thought, was a nine. Um, although the lady's uh, fingernails were a little bit scary. It looked like she was like maybe some kind of like goth chick maybe later on. How did you I, like, not super- give her a 10 for that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 100 sure she was goth. <laughs> um, but. Give you a uh, But uh, like I said, service, I, I gave it a nine. Food, an eight. Outside, a uh, five or a six. Inside, a five or a six. Uh, grand total, because of all that, I'm giving it about a total of a seven. Uh, would I take a date there? Actually, I, I wouldn't mind taking a date there uh, if you just go in there for a breakfast or a lunch. Uh, I think the food is good enough. The service is good enough. But it's not going to be overly flashy. Um, that's the only problem I have with that one. Um would I meet a friend there? Definitely, I would meet a friend there. And uh, would I go back again? Actually, if I'm just looking for a pure breakfast place, yeah, I would go back there again because uh, I would prefer going there over Denny's or some like, or, or Village Inn or some other like some other breakfast places. the The plates themselves aren't like you're talking about a different like different level compared to like Denny's or Village Inn. You're talking like you know they're like you're closer to like twenty dollars a plate versus. Like probably like twelve or thirteen dollars a plate. I think Denny's has gone up. Has it? Fucking inflation. That right. didn't happen <laughs> because there was no recession. <laughs> oh, let's not get started there. Uh, but in any case, uh, so I give I'm giving it a, a, a seven overall. All right. Well, for Benedict's restaurant, for me, not so dissimilar. I didn't necessarily love the interior environment. Um, it got a six for me. It just wasn't sexy. I want a sexy environment. Unless you're like an 80-year-old dude. So, interesting point. We'll get there shortly. Um, the exterior environment, um, you know, so atmosphere of six, exterior environment, same as six. Not Not bad just not good like it's no different than a taco bell except that the prices are as you mentioned different than a taco bell and so should be the expected experience um what i will say is when noah says it's not flashy i thought it was absolutely hilarious that this oldie uh as we drove up and we saw this beautiful new brand new corvette in the parking lot Along with three 80-year-old patrons, um, one of them, uh, the one of the ladies was like looking over, looking at the wheels. She was checking out the wheels in tire sizes, and she's like, I, I just love this. What I mean, she basically said, this Corvette's making me wet. Like, I suppose <laughs> if you go to this place and you're trolling to pick up some, uh, some gilfs, uh, then you, uh, then you might actually land the spot. It might land one there with a Corvette, like a new Corvette. He says Gil, so I'm going to say extreme Cougars. <laughs> <laughs> I think, if, I think the term is Gil, isn't it? 
I have no idea. All I'm saying is it's, it's not MILF. The median age in this place was almost double no one eyes. Um, so they were all retired and some of the conversations were great. And some of the people were just absolutely beautiful. It was wonderful to see. Uh, I was listening to two gentlemen to our left. And one of them was talking about how he no longer drives. But how that came about is because he said he had gotten a year ago a three-year car lease. But then got into an accident and decided hey, it was time to stop driving. So he terminated his lease and no longer has a car. Um and it was just great to hear all these people really enjoying life, the different pieces of the conversations of the mature people. They were literally beautiful. Like they're at this point where they can go spend 20, 30 bucks on a meal and <laughs> they aren't fretting over that. Um, and they're enjoying life because God damn it, I'm right there with you. Six for exterior environment, six for interior atmosphere, 10 for the food for me. The food was dynamite. I had the salmon Benedict. So my eggs were absolutely perfect. The reason I asked about your scrambled eggs is because I hate fluffy scrambled eggs. I like the homemade ones where they're like thick and clumpy and almost wet, if exactly, you will. Exactly. And, and uh, most restaurants, most people actually prefer the fluffy eggs where they're like whipped or something with skim milk. I don't even know. I like, but mine, I had the eggs Benedict, man. Like my, my yolks were creaming right out i knew my shit was real um all over my delicious salmon uh, the english muffins were great the hash browns how was the holiday sauce by the, way? the holiday sauce was a, a 10 see the, the, that's dynamite that's, <laughs> that's the reason why i don't get like eggs benedict at a lot of restaurants is because like like when you have a bad holiday sauce it ruins the whole thing but when you have a good one it's great and that's why like i'm never sure what what kind of holiday sauce i'm gonna get and that's why i I steer always, clear of it. Yeah. Well, for me, I know when I've got good or bad hollandaise when I have to add any spice to it. And this hollandaise was flawless. It was perfect. Um, the only thing I added to any of my plate, zero salt, teeny bit of pepper to the hash browns, which were also dynamite. Like all I wanted was a little extra pepper. Most people don't probably like their hash browns as peppered as I do. The food was a 10. I actually thought the service was also a 10. Um, she did nothing wrong, didn't miss a step, got our bills, cleared our table, got our food as fast as I think they do. Because my understanding is, and part of the reason that we went to this restaurant is it is a breakfast place. They're uh, open early in the morning till two in the afternoon most days. And everything is made from scratch in their kitchen. That is what they're supposed to be known for. That's one of their big things is that it's all real food. And you could, I could tell it from your blueberry pancakes. You could see that he had these giant fluffy pancakes with the blueberries pressed into them in, you know, strategically in a pattern. Um, and they looked great. That's why I asked how they were. And they, they literally they looked were delicious. Good. They were delicious. Um, which, is, which is why I have never had a pancake there. And when I saw them, I wished I had ordered some sort of pancake because my problem with most blueberry pancakes is they're like the crusties version where it's not real blueberries. And I shouldn't say that. Crusties has a version where you get a can of blueberries that you put in the batter. It's still not the same as fresh blueberries. Right. <coughs> Overall, for me, an eight. Would I meet a friend there? Yes. There was something so not sexy about it, though, with all the old people that I would not take a date there. Maybe that is the benefit of taking a date there. <laughs> You're like, hey, I want some bacon? 
<laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, maybe, like, because, you know, like, you mentioned something about, like, how how nice or neat it was to see how genuine these old people and how beautiful they were. So maybe there is a a, a, a benefit to taking a date there. I thought about that, but there's something about that where, for me, it just lost its sex appeal. <laughs> and... Was it when the two guys are talking about like them dating like one of their dead friends' wives? <laughs> that might have been it. Like, <laughs> hey, when you die, I know we're just on a date. Go and get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, seriously though, uh, I wouldn't take a date there. It is not a destination, but I would like it was great to fr- have a friend there. And so when I emphasize this, you can get married. And I'm not saying every time you go out to eat it has to be a date. I, you can be in a long-term relationship. Not every single time you go out to eat has to be a date. There should be dates, though. There should be ones where you guys are absolutely both putting on a show for each other um, that you do for no one else, in my opinion. That is absolutely true to me. Uh, if you're showing up for work looking like a 10 and you never are there with your other, your, your partner uh, higher than a five, there's a problem because um, work probably shouldn't get, except on rare occasions, more than a nine. And I'm not saying your significant other should see every day more than a five, but better get a 10 once in a while. And that's the only reason I wouldn't take a date there. Uh, not a destination, but absolutely fantastic food and good for a friend meeting. This week's Smarter Challenge was to watch the movie The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger and discuss cloning. And I know uh, one area of topic that you want to discuss has to do with cloning pets. So let's just start there. All right. Or should we start with summary and then start there? You do a brief summary, and then, then I say we start there. <clears throat> All right. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, him and his buddy, they own a uh, helicopter uh, extreme uh, adventure company where they take snowboarders and skiers to the top of mountains so that I go do extreme skiing and stuff like that. Uh, one guy who is an uh, industry mogul uh, wants to uh, use our charter uh, there's a guy who who's uh, anti uh, cloning, and this uh, industry mogul is like uh, one of the head people for cloning. Uh, ends up killing the guy and everyone there, and so the company ends up recloning not only the uh, business mogul, but they they end up cloning the wrong person, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's character as well as the guy's partner, and uh, this causes a. Uh, uh, an illegal activity to occur because it's illegal to clone people. But now that once they find out Arnold Schwarzenegger's character was actually truly alive and they actually cloned him, that caused an issue saying that one of them had to die. And, uh, and then, so at that point, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character wants to live and take, get his life back. And, uh, there's cloning of, uh, pets and they have like, Life like dolls and, and crap like that in this movie. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. What movie? Do you remember what year this movie came out? 2000. So we've got a movie from 2000. And I think Dolly came out in 96, which is the cloning of the sheep. So this is about four years after. Dolly clone. was 96. Yes. Here's the po- important part to me. We're talking about 23 years ago. They had dolls just like Megan, a movie that came out earlier this year. <coughs> they called so many different things. You saw their electric vehicles. 
Yes. Look like a lot like the electric vehicles today. Like Correct. how great they did as far. Uh, this movie is a fucking hard to find on uh, any platform to watch. Uh, Noah ended up buying it. And this is how I also saw it. Cause I don't have a DVD or Blu-ray of this movie um, on Amazon prime. Right. Um, he purchased it that way so that we could enjoy this video. And it's just interesting to me how <laughs> accurate this video was in so many ways, unless you really consider and this video did touch on that. Um, some of the different initiatives about why do people do the things they do. So as we move from, here's the brief synopsis of the movie to uh, looking at the repet. The first aspect I wanted to visit, and this is super interesting because, as Noah mentioned, after Dolly um, and everything else, they came out with a six-day law. So it's illegal to clone humans. Um, so then later, and they're saying that it's not possible to clone humans. We had one attempt. We failed. You saw what happened. It's not being done. But we're cloning dogs, and they can be done in hours and have the memories and everything else. Um, but the challenge comes up at one point in time as far as, well, wouldn't you're running this business to recreate pets at a substantial loss isn't the only whole purpose of that so that you can overturn the six-day law to the right. point where you can overturn and clone humans. And I don't know that yes is the answer, right? We, know, we all know this. You watch the movie, you have to be daft or one of those bullets that didn't work in the war. Retard. <laughs> Noah said it, not me. Um, but you have to be daft or retard to not understand <laughs> that these things happen every day, that the Obamas did it, that Biden has done it, that, you know, both sides do it. Theirs are just obvious. Obama coming out and be like, we're going to go nuclear and then shutting down nuclear plants and never opening a new one. And Biden saying, we're all going electric cars and then we're going to screw fucking Tesla and Elon Musk because... He's going against our initiative, even though he's the only reason we have a chance at what our my my whole presidential plan and commitment was. It's ridiculous. Um, but with that, I love the fact that it was brought up because this happens every day. And yes, like why else would you repet at a loss unless you're trying to get to a point where you can rehuman at a substantial profit? And they did talk about it. It's in other movies. Um, you talked about the stacks in <coughs> um, carbon, carbon, yeah. altered carbon, um, and other things, and how expensive it is. And even in this movie, they're talking about each time he has to <laughs> reclone one of his idiot assassins. It's cost him almost $2 million, a million and a half, um, which is far under the actual cost. It's like, have you watched Aliens recently? I have not. Okay. So if you watch Aliens, not that old of a movie, Perspective 2. The second Alien movie? Yeah. It's Perspective of the Sixth Day, but still, you know, 10 plus years earlier. We're talking a movie where they're talking about terraforming on a, a future planet. And they're like, that establishment costs millions. We can't even build a building on earth for a million dollars more anymore like it costs millions no billions and trillions it's so funny to think about it um, a clone would absolutely cost multiple millions and millions and millions of dollars especially in the process that they do it but with that it's it profound to me how many things this has gotten straight and then to the point of 
Man, do people not see that this happens every day? Well, first off, this movie got really poor scores, just like The Island got really poor scores. Terrible. But this movie has been so pinpoint accurate on a lot of things, though. Right right down to buildings, technology, electric cars. And when we talk about uh, and we when we talk about technology, okay, this is from the BBC. They they actually put this out. This is an article. They're talking that about this is this came out. Uh, this article is called "Pet Cloning is Getting More Popular Despite the Cost," and it came out April third of twenty twenty two. There's a company called Viagen that actually will clone uh, your your pets, and the cloning costs are fifty thousand dollars. For a dog, $30,000 for a cat, and 85000 for a horse. I thought you were going to say a horror. I was like, <laughs> god damn. <laughs> no, for a horse. Um, but here's the thing. Black Stallion, here I come. It, it's not really in the mainstream. I think if you go out there and you ask like 10 people, maybe 1 out of 10, maybe 2 out of 10 might know that there's actually cloning going on of pets. I don't think the average person or the average American knows that there's actually cloning going on today with pets. And now the reason why we, uh, uh, the reason why I started down this whole path of like cloning and talking about cloning is that because I am into tinfoil hack uh, conspiracy type <laughs> theories, is that um, I actually saw a, a clip. Uh, so I'm talking about how they actually clone. They're actually cloning people like Biden and uh, different Hollywood stars and different musical, uh, uh, you know, singers and stuff like that. That they're actually cloning these people. So actually, cloning is going on, even though it's not in the mainstream news or day to day knowledge of average people. But it's going on, and so I think. This brings up a very good question when we watch this movie, The Sixth Day. Should there be some type of like six day law where uh, it should be illegal to clone humans? And if you do clone humans, I think this movie brings up a good a good point here. If you are starting to able to clone people, who decides who lives and who decides who dies? Because using CRISPR-Cas9, where you can do gene editing, then, just like in this movie, they're able to make clones that have certain uh, certain viruses or uh, ailments that will kill them like after five years or a set period of time. So now this makes whoever the owner of this cloning company, they are basically like a god where they're saying like, yeah, you got a new clone body, but if you don't do what we say, we're going to freaking kill you all together because you have a limited lifespan. So you got to do as I say. And I think this makes up uh, some extreme... Uh, uh, situations or scenarios that people need to look at and take into consideration the morality of it, the laws that should be uh, governing it, and stuff like that. I don't disagree. I think it's all true. It does get tricky, though, after watching The Island and some of the other things we talked about. My biggest struggle with The Island and at the end of the recap as far as the smarter challenge was my one sticking point was it's not okay to have cloned sex slaves basically <laughs> and this movie kind of talked about it. it kind of touched on it a little bit it touched it in a different way and that is it had 3d virtual almost like a metaverse hmm, version of a spouse or a girlfriend sex or slave sex slave um man 
It was interesting because, again, it literally dabbed into what I would consider the most current possibility version of the metaverse. What do you think about the fact that it also got that right? <laughs> um, as far as that aspect of like, I think uh, they got it right. Uh, the way they're doing it, though, in that movie is slightly a bit different than what we're seeing today because right now you're seeing stuff like... Uh, um, VR, virtual reality, where they have like the goggles up on their <laughs> face and stuff like that, and it's not just me uh, meta; uh, it's also like gaming and stuff like that. Um, and you're starting to see that more and more in some other movies too, like they're it, where they're talking about like more of a uh, virtual li living more in a virtual world than actually the physical world. Which I think that's what if we're gonna go down conspiracy avenue quote unquote they want they want people to like not be active in the physical reality and be sucked into the uh, digital realm because uh, it makes people easier to control <coughs> I don't disagree so what else did you want to mention about these cloned pets because I kind of want to know what you're like <coughs> my whole point was in the movie they express you're cloning pets we're doing it right now live on earth we do have laws against cloning humans. The whole point of cloning pets and make it because they're not making money at 30, 50 or 80 K. <laughs> the whole point is long term. They want to fucking clone humans. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think you're right, too, because like, do you really think <clears throat> that these like uh, DNA companies are benevolent and they're not doing anything with the DNA with that people like we're like like 23andme or ancestry.com do you really not think they're not doing something else with that dna that you're sending in they are of course doing something with that dna either they're using uh crispr cas9 to create designer viruses covid uh or they're uh or they're using it to like learn like to like do like cloning well they've already talked about how some of these places have been hacked yeah. So even if they aren't, if they were all trying to be benevolent, bullshit, but if they were, then other people will hack them. And they have been hacked. Mm -hmm. Well, for a while there, they were selling it. They got caught selling the information, too. That is true. Um, I guess the morality or of cloning. Yeah, so pro or con? For or against? Um, wow. The part of me would be like, it would be cool that if something bad was happening to me, that I could clone myself and then continue to pick up where I left off. But at the same time, I look at it as like, if you get someone who's powerful enough and wealthy enough that's able to clone themselves over and over and over again, they are no longer human and they lose touch with that humanity and it could cause a society that is very uh, undesirable, I think. Uh, I think you're going to have, you'll definitely have a much greater uh, gap between the haves and have-nots and I think you're going to have much more of a sadistic society. Absolutely. We've actually seen shifts uh and this will get to my smarter challenge next week. Uh, but we've actually seen shifts historically as people have continued to live longer about how things don't get better for the groups that don't take care of themselves and don't live longer. Um, it all comes down to culture. 
Yeah, and I think here too, Community. I agree with that. And I think too, like one has to look is is human are humans naturally good or are humans naturally bad? And honestly, I think humans are probably more naturally bad than they are good. Because I think there's a tendency, like, if you can make multiple clones, what's to stop people from making clones to just, like, kill them? Or to make clones into what you said, sex slaves. Or to make clones to do some some horrible, horrible, horrible things. And you know, like, well... You know, all that all is going to happen is they can just reclone themselves and they'll be fine. It's not like I, I, all I'm doing is just killing the actual body. The mind will continue on onto the next one, and so I think that could cause such a downturn and dark and evil society that we that it can really just take us into some like really bad realms. The one piece of the sixth day which lays still in question is they are able to instantaneously almost take and transfer memories from a lifetime from one to the other being with a soul to another being without a soul. And they did actually reach that subject. What does it mean to have a soul or not have a soul? Um, and that is the one piece where I think it becomes most questionable. However... You're a billionaire, maybe a trillionaire. And all of a sudden, it's not so much that you're considered, you're worried about you, your one body living forever. It's that you want you to live forever. And you can forgo the fact that you have memories or don't have memories. You have your body recreated. It has all new memories, but it's starting off with all of your prosperity and success and also, it can learn a lot. Hey, you don't remember all of this. You got to read these next 500 books to learn about your first 18 years in life that you didn't experience. Um, and that can be very educational for anything, any being that has a mind. So now I will say, consider, do you value education? I absolutely do. Um, do I think everyone gets the same value out of education? I absolutely do not. But if you have some being that you can absolutely recreate genetically that has already in this modern time become a billionaire, Bezos, one example, and then you're going to genetically clone a, an exact replica of him, he can absolutely create a memoir to educate himself in the future on the things he learned in the present, I don't think you can just click a memory instantaneous. I think it has to be, still be taught and learned. But that can be done to an extent of, okay, now I am up to speed, and I understand this, to create a future potential. The one thing that I don't know that can be taught is what it meant to be hungry. I shouldn't say one thing. The few things I don't know that can be taught what it meant to be hungry, what it meant to struggle, what it means to fight for that next level. So I think this comes to the part of the question here. If memories can be transferred, then they're starting, not only are they starting off with all that memory, or not only are they starting off with everything that's been built, but then they have that memory, if that memory can be transferred. If that memory cannot be transferred, then yes, they would have to go back and relearn those things. But then that also comes into the question, like, what is a soul? Because there's, like, there's, 
there's been studies that have been done like where they like broke down a person's weight and all that stuff like that and there's like i think uh, there's even a movie called like six grams or something like that mm. where they like they can't find out what that essence is like what <laughs> once a person dies there's like a, a there's a, a weight that's that they can't replicate where like where that weight came from that that's lost uh may, so it's maybe burden so some people believe that that's the soul and the thing is like once you have cloning and you clone all those memories into a clone obviously the soul is probably not being transferred if there is such a thing as a soul and when you're dealing with the soul i think you know, they even talked about it a little bit in the movie. Not very much. They, like, barely, barely touched upon it. So, they're like, oh, you're one of those people who believe in God. And it, once it, we get to a point where we believe there is no higher power, there is no there is no God, there is no supreme being, and man is it, is the top of the food chain, then there is some, there is some evil, evil, evil things that could happen without something there to kind of keep us in check. All the and best morality wise. Yeah, all the best stories I've ever heard or movies I've ever watched all have to deal with the fact that humans are animals in one form or sense. Uh, and in that ultimately get to a point, no matter what movie you pick, you can if it's a great action movie in particular, find a point where they have to go between human and animal as far as survival and they have to make choices on what do I do? We are animals, but we try to build communities so that we, much like wolves that live in a pack or elephants that live in a herd, uh, and I think those are two of the best examples to me, because if you see a mother elephant lose its baby, it'll sit there and cry in, in the desert and usually die itself for days or longer that the baby is dead. And that's a community thing because an animal mother is like, well, shit, that one didn't last. Let's move on. Um, but I agree with you is that where is the balance between soul as in good versus soul as an animal, but animals have souls. Yeah, they do. And that's where the, the real struggle comes in, which is, and sixth day, I think touched on the subject you don't know this reincarnated being, depending on your religion, or, uh, you know, sleeve, altered carbon, doesn't have a soul because something else died and then is now residing in it? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. Like, yeah, if you're asking me, here's the other, I guess here's the flip side. I've been talking about the dark side. If you found someone who does want to prosper and advance society, you could find, like, you know, there might be an artist who could continue to make great works of art. You could find an author who might continue to write great works of art. You could find a philanthropist that will continue to do great things. But I think the mass majority will, will turn to the evil side. That's just my opinion. Well, I think it's interesting what you just said. Um, your original statement, if you found somebody that wasn't trying to advance is also part of the problem in the sense of anybody who studied science like 
kids today, for example, understand that the Earth is on an elliptical, just like the solar system. Just it's like flat Earth. What are you talking about? None of that happens. Yeah, but the Earth is on an elliptical, and we're in a solar system, and multiple times our Earth has changed poles because it's rotated enough where the polarity changed, and they can see this in rocks. Um, so changes happened. Another struggle would to ultimate abomination and extinction would be people who don't try to change in the sense of we're not creating or stopping global warming. We may be advancing it. We're not creating or stopping it. No matter what we do, the earth rotates on an elliptical that continuously changes. And yeah, certain states over the next decade are going to get hotter. Certain states over the next decade, and this is what I love, this is what they don't talk about, the ones getting colder. They're all talking about the heat. Um, but others are getting colder, and that's what happens as we get... Don't forget about or, the solar cycle. The solar cycle is a great play, a player in the whole climate change. That's what I'm saying. That's literally what I'm talking about, is the ellipticals around a solar system, around the sun, and our own moon, and our own Earth. And isn't it super interesting, other conspiracy theory... The moon doesn't ever change. <laughs> yeah, we never see. We only see one side of the moon, no matter where we are on Earth. Um. So, ultimately, I think you asked me the question: Am I for or against cloning of humans? And I, I'm, I'm up in the air because I think there has to be some. Dude, don't be a, a weak conspiracy theorist. Be a strong one. Make a decision. <laughs> okay. At this point, I would say I'd have to be against it. Oh. And. The reason why I'd have to be against it is because I think more, uh, more, more damage and hurt can be caused by cloning than can be actually saved by cloning. I think with some, I think there has to be some like uh, some good guidance or laws or something put into place, and which is kind of weird for me to say that because I'm yeah, more of a. You're like I want a constitution. <laughs> Because I'm no more of extra a, laws. But I need a bunch I, of extra laws. Because I am more of a libertarian who believes in like <laughs> leave me alone and let me do like let me do my own thing, uh, which is weird. Because I think there's the, I think it could be a slippery slope with cloning. I really do. I I and I'm and I I just don't have the full trust of of, of humanity uh, saying that there would be enough good humans out there cloning themselves compared to bad humans. All right, let me ask you a series of questions right before I tell you my answer. Do you believe that there should be a king of the jungle, whether it's a lion or something else? Do I believe there should be a king of the jungle? Um, regardless of what I believe there should be or shouldn't be, it's natural for there to be one. Interesting. So do you believe that there is a uh, silverback gorilla that always runs that herd? <laughs> I would say that silverback gorilla. If anyone who's dumb enough to go against like the alpha deserves yeah. to die. Yeah. So I am all for cloning. Here's my reason: is because I'm also for advancement. Don't I, I'm for advancement. Don't get me wrong. Right, I know you are. I'm just I'm I'm more for responsible re advancement. Right. At the end of the day, here's the truth. All these different governments are all cloning. You and I both know it. China's cloning organs left and right. No, they, they're, they're cloning like superhuman for their armies. But right. that's a whole other story. Right. 
you can't think that the U.S. isn't trying to get ready for a combat version of that as well. Um, get over it. I'm all for it because at the end of the day, anytime you try to stop something, a new version comes out that's even more terrible. I agree with that. I'm <clears throat> Here's the thing: like, it's not that I'm like 100 against it because I'm, I am, I'm on the like. I you already saw. I already said I was like iffy. on the fence. I'm, I, dude, I'm you not, already told me that. I'm not challenging you, I'm like, you. I'm not. Challenging I'm just saying you. like, there's got to be some kind of like. <laughs> we just have to be responsible about doing it. That's all. All I'm saying is, if there is a king of the jungle, this is truth. And this king of the jungle, say it's a lion, keeps cloning himself. And he continues to be the king of the jungle. Good for fucking him. Here's the bottom line, though. At some point, evolution, and I fully believe in nature. I 100% believe in nature and evolution. Nature and evolution will find its own way. And there will be a new king of the jungle. And then that guy has the chance to do the same. So whether or not you're for or against cloning, evolution will happen and somebody will either be smarter up here or bigger everywhere else or where it matters <laughs> and change the world. Here's the thing. I think with any technology, there's a, there's a positive to it and then there's a negative side to it. And it's really up to society itself to decide whether which side that they want to go with. Do they want to like focus more on the positives of of that new technology, or do they want to take the dark underbelly of that of that technology? Um, and it's really up to society to decide that. And and as much as I like to say we should put in laws which would try to help dictate that, one would be foolish to think that that would actually truly work. Your answer absolutely explains everything that is society. Society would abuse it. Society would absolutely abuse everything about cloning they could. Of course The they problem would. is, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. The poor can't afford it. The ritual. And nothing changes. Exactly. At the end of the day, altered carbon really shows you that, yeah, you might be on a different planet, you might be in a different body, nothing changed. You are in the same stature you were in. Yeah. Just don't fight it. I agree. All right. Any last comments, words of wisdom or future tales? My only, my only word of caution is, once again, <laughs> just what I just restated earlier, is with any, with any sort of technology, whether it's cloning... Uh, or anything there's a dark side and there's a light side to it um try to be the people who who like focus on the good rather than the bad uh obviously we know there are people who are going to exploit it and use it for the bad um just hopefully there's more people who are focusing on the good than the bad and in that line i will say along with that um just realize if technology is available and you outlaw it the government's will use it and they will absolutely they're already it. using it that's my point and that is 100 my point so okay so guns here there and everywhere are outlawed and so you can't have any guns and then all of a sudden the government gets into a battle are there laser pistols right now yes <laughs> there really are but the bottom line is it doesn't freaking matter is that you can say guns are illegal and guess what the government is still making guns yep so even if you're not your government's still doing it because they know you're idiots and they just need to get rid it's of it. It's like you. they're cloning right now. 
Truly. All right. Ready for next week? Yeah. Next week, Scotch. I want a little bit of a limb. I hope it's not total shit, in other words. It is a space-side single malt Scotch. They do have multiple Scotches. I've seen things from 10 to 18 years and others. Uh, it is the Ben Romach 10-year single malt Scotch whiskey. It is a space-side single malt. That'll be next week's Scotch. Next week's Smarter Challenge. My goal is talk to at least, and you can be more, or just hopefully at least three, three other people about this thought. History isn't about showing us what happened in the past. History is about telling us what we're experiencing in the present. And then what are their comments, quotes, or thoughts around that? So, again, you go to a museum and you're looking at all these historical facts. Like, can you see the – I'm writing this down because so it's kind of long. I want to make sure I write it down. Damn right it's long. History isn't about showing us what happened in the past. It's about telling us what we're experiencing in the present. Or explaining why we're experiencing what we are in the present. Well, thank you. Good? Yep. Um, it's a quote from that movie, Leftovers, Left Behinds, whatever. Oh, The Holdovers. The Holdovers. It's a quote from The Holdovers. So with that, we were going to talk to at least three other people about looking at history, talking to them about history. We all look at history and we're, we're trying to fucking understand the past. But really the point is history explains why we're living the way we are in the present and how do they feel about that? And where do we go with that? And what really stuck with me about that is I have now, well, unless I get fired in the next four hours and 45 minutes, experienced 30 years of employment for my current employer. 30 years. 30 years with one company. And this year, more than others, I am looking at a week, and I'm like, this is stupid. We're doing these things. Why aren't we learning? And it's because the average person that works for Target as a leader is less than five years. Significantly less than five years. And... They don't have any history or backing or understanding. So when I make my comments, they're just like, hey, why are you complaining? I've been through it six other times. That's why. So other than that, we're looking at why do we not learn from history in a sense of history isn't to show us what happened in the past. It's to explain to us what we're experiencing in the current or the present. What do we do about that? Most people don't do anything, by the way. I'm just telling you. Most people don't do anything. So the Ben Ramak 10-year history, and I want to explain one other thing. Dude, life is great. It's that grand. It should not be easy. And the more I really think about it, there are moments that should be glorious. Those moments should be... 
follow, following moments of, God damn it, I just killed myself for three months so I could take a $10,000 vacation to X or Y or Z. Yeah, all that is great. But you have to understand what you are giving up to get those moments. And if you're not giving up anything, then you're not adding to your community. Because if you're not creating or baking cookies for a cookie event at work or a bake sale or whatever it may be, a, a volunteer event, a fundraiser. If you're not taking the time and foregoing an hour of sleep because you just made some oatmeal raisin cookies, then you're not valuing what really is benefiting your community. If you have any questions about that, and I really sincerely mean this, like, share, subscribe, Scott Shower. Send me your questions about what I'm talking about, about community and the essence, essential point, the essence, the essential point of what it means to add to a community, not just to take away. All right. Sounds like a good one. It's real. Drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. I'm going to walk for the next three hours. <laughs> All right. Uh Thank you for the uh, next week's scotch and topic. I look forward to it. I'm sure it's going to be one of those ones where I'm going to dread at first, but then I'm going to enjoy it later. Uh, but with that, uh, I just want to thank all of you who uh, watched us to this very point here at the end. Uh, so if you watch us on YouTube or Rumble, thank you very much. If you listen to us on one of the very many different podcast platforms, we also thank you. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, leave some comments down below, and uh, we will see you next week. And Jesse, do you have anything else to close us out with? As we're wrapping up before we end this scotch hour, remember... Most people will spend 15 to two hours, 15 minutes to two hours dreading what they experienced at work or throughout their daily life. Less than 3% of the population spends 15 minutes. You can take those same 15 minutes, just transfer them over, thinking about how can I make my future better every day. And you don't even have to come up with any. You just have to be focused on it. How can I make my future better? So if I don't eat at Taco Bell tomorrow and I don't take my three kids, my wife, myself to Taco Bell, I don't spend 50 bucks at Taco Bell. That's if you're lucky. Uh, I can make tacos at home for 25. That's a win. Most people don't do that sort of thing. Take 15 minutes every day. Think about your future or your family's future or your future with another. Just do that. And you have a chance, a greater chance to win. Until next week. Scotchman! Cheers. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.